KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, December 14th. A plan to build more projects that are taller and denser gets the green light. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A Camp Pendleton Marine was killed Tuesday evening in an amphibious combat vehicle rollover. Fourteen other Marines went to area hospitals after the vehicle overturned. Marine ACVs are new in the Corps and are designed to operate both in the ocean and on land. They were barred from waterborne operations for three months last year, after two floundered in the Southern California surf, one rolling over. Tactical vehicle rollovers have killed a number of service members over recent years, and a 2021 GAO report found inadequate training and supervision led to many of them. Since 2010, more than 125 service members have been killed in non-combatant tactical vehicle accidents. The number of unhoused people living downtown has dropped by 1,200, That's according to new data from the San Diego Downtown Partnership. The decline comes after a camping ban was enacted in the city of San Diego earlier this year. However, homeless advocates say the people are still here. They've just moved to different neighborhoods. The county's Registrar Voters Office is looking for poll workers for the March 5th presidential primary election. They're especially looking for people who are bilingual. Poll workers are paid anywhere from $135 to $160 each day, depending on the assignment. And on Election Day, that amount is higher because of extended hours. Here's the county registrar of voters, Cynthia Paz. We need over 2,000 individuals to assist voters across 220-plus vote centers that will be open anywhere from four days to 11 days leading up to election day. So they play that critical role of frontline staff assisting voters and playing a a critical role in democracy. You can find more information by going to sdvote.com and clicking on Be a Poll Worker. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. The San Diego City Council has approved a package of housing reforms proposed by Mayor Todd Gloria. Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says the goal is to turbocharge new home construction. The mayor's Housing Action Package 2.0 makes changes to a local program called Complete Communities, which lets developers build taller and denser projects if they agree to rent a portion of their units below the market rate. Now those below-market homes can be built in a separate project if certain conditions are met. The city council rejected the package last month, but it was brought back with amendments sought by council president Sean Eagle Rivera. I'm here to legislate, and I think it's important that we don't let concerns about, you know, a complicated meeting or a longer meeting 
get in the way of us trying to pass the best policy possible. Opponents of the package said the changes were too generous to developers and that the city is allowing too much density in their neighborhoods. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. The city of Chula Vista is now planning to reopen Harborside Park. South Bay reporter Corey Suzuki says the city council's decision comes after a long debate over whether to use the land for affordable housing. Over the last year, Harborside Park in Chula Vista has been at the center of citywide debates over housing, homelessness, and environmental justice. City leaders first closed the park temporarily last August. They evicted dozens of unhoused residents who had taken shelter there, many of them during the pandemic. Officials argued the encampment was creating a public safety issue. Earlier this year, though, the council made the surprise decision to look at using the land for housing, potentially closing Harborside for good, which led to a passionate response from residents. My nephews learned how to skateboard there when they were little. It's sad that to think that buildings would go up there in a park for the children. There were multiple rallies, dozens of people speaking out at public meetings, all urging city leaders to change course and keep the park for the neighborhood. Now, the city council has agreed to move in that direction. Here's Leticia Lares, who organized marches in support of reopening. I'm feeling really happy. I'm feeling happy. But yes, I, I, I'm not going to trust 100%, but yes, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really happy because it's on behalf of my, of my community. Officials say it will take at least eight months to fully reopen Harborside. Kora Suzuki, KPBS News. The county is investing $2 million into small local nonprofits. Reporter Katie Heisen spoke about the new program with the director of the Office of Equity and Racial Justice, Andrew Strong. Most of our small nonprofits tend to be coming from our BIPOC communities. The county defines small as fewer than five employees and an operating budget of less than $500,000. A lot of times these folks may have full-time jobs and they're also running a nonprofit and they're doing it pretty much for free. We have a social responsibility to invest in those people who have the lived experience, they have the deep deep, profound knowledge of why this work needs to happen. Strong says these organizations have historically been edged out of county funding by larger nonprofits, partly because they can't compete with the numbers impacted, and partly because they don't have the same time or resources to navigate all the red tape. Applications will close on January 26th. Katie Heisen, KPBS News. The debate over whether schools should disclose a child's transgender identity to parents is sparking heated discussions at school boards and legal battles. North County reporter Alexander Wynn explores the legal clash between parental rights and a child's privacy. It, it sounded like people thought we would be giving students puberty blockers. At an Escondido Union High School District Board meeting last month, the issue of parental rights was hotly debated. Would you rather have a living son or a dead daughter? Some parents want their children to have the privacy to feel safe expressing themselves at school. Such actions would violate the dignity of trans people, placing them at greater risk. Others argue that it's a parent's right to know what's going on with their children. Public school employees were socially transitioning children and withholding that information from their parents. 
Similar to many other school districts, Escondido Union High adheres to a policy that bars teachers from revealing a student's gender identity to parents without consent. That aligns with California laws protecting students from potential abusive situations at home. But such policies are under attack at school boards and courts throughout the state. Recently, the Classical Academy charter school system in North County changed its policy to no longer explicitly forbid teachers from disclosing a student's gender identity. The charter school system says it did so under threat of litigation. Yeah, really, it fundamentally is about who really the the child belongs to. Dean Broyles is a constitutional lawyer whose wife teaches at Classical. He says he merely sent a letter to the charter school system to inform the board that its policy would expose it to potential litigation. Broyles is part of the Conservative National Center for Law and Policy. It's been our position that any um, policy that allows a school to keep secrets from their, the parents regarding their children violates the parental rights that's protected by the U.S. Constitution. The Supreme Court has ruled that the 14th Amendment of the Constitution gives a lot of deference to parents regarding their children's upbringing, education, and care. But under California's education code, students have certain privacy rights. That is the crux of the issue, is what is more superior, a child's right to privacy or a parent's right to know about their child's life? Family law attorney Julian Duggan Hurd says, with the Supreme Court's 2022 Dobbs ruling, it's hard to fathom that a student's privacy rights would be upheld by the court. The Dobbs ruling overturned Roe v. Wade, which had protected the right to have an abortion in the U.S. The crux of the Roe case centers on a woman's right to privacy. But they did not apply strict scrutiny to that, to that privacy right, which is the right to you know, have an abortion and your, you know, uh, your ability to have a child and have a say in, you know, how that happens. Since the Dobbs ruling, a surge of laws and court cases by conservative groups has emerged challenging school policies protecting students' privacy. In May, two teachers at Rincon Middle School in the Escondido Union School District sued, claiming the policy to protect students' rights to privacy at school over their gender identity essentially forced them to lie to parents, which went against their religious beliefs. Duggenhurst says the timing of these cases is not coincidental. There's a bunch of strategy in it. Um, There are a lot of politically affiliated groups that have interests on both sides of this argument. In September, a federal judge in San Diego issued a preliminary ruling against the Escondido Union School District, saying the policy is likely unconstitutional. The decision is under review by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Duckenhurt thinks the issue will ultimately be decided by the Supreme Court, and based on the current makeup of the court, she thinks proponents of parental rights might win, and that might cause unintended consequences. How do we, on that continuum of things that can happen to a child within a school system during the day, what, what is reported and what is not? She says it might lead to parents micromanaging the education system, dictating the curriculum to be taught to their children and excluding anything they find disagreeable, such as evolution. And caught in the crosshairs of this political debate are the students who may not feel safe expressing their gender identity at home. Alexander Nguyen, KPPS News. Coming up. We look at how small businesses are doing over the holiday season. We'll have that and more just after the break.
KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Some San Diego Community College students wrapped up their fall semester yesterday aboard the USS Midway. Education reporter M.G. Perez says they were in a pilot program for future welders. The sparks fly in anticipation of a bright future for student welders from the San Diego College of Continuing Education. This fall, the students have had three days of campus classroom instruction each week and then come aboard the USS Midway on Wednesdays for six hours of real work. The program was initiated by the Midway's management. It's considered a win-win for the aging ship with ongoing repair needs. Andrea Jarvis is about a year into her welding education. Well, it's a passion for me, you know, it's just, it's a constantly ever-going trade, and I like, you know, I really like working with metal. It's like sewing with fire, you know. The Midway pilot program has been so successful, it will continue into the new year. The initial cohort of eight students will be expanded to 14 starting in January. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. The National Retail Federation expects holiday spending to reach record levels this year as people buy gifts from big retailers. But what's the forecast for our small local retailers? While Teresa Favreau and Tanya McAneer have their fingers on the pulse of that, they're both small business owners. Teresa owns Amethyst Moon and Home and Soul in La Mesa. She sits on the board of the La Mesa Village Association. And Tanya owns Bad Madge in South Park and sits on the board of the South Park Business Group. They spoke with my colleague, Jade Heidman. First off, how is business going for both of you so far this shopping season? Teresa, I'll start with you. Well, we're gearing up for a later holiday season. Um, it's a little bit slower this year, but we just had our Holiday in the Village event last weekend, and which was very, very well attended it kind of kicked off the holiday season. So now we're waiting for the mad rush to get here. <laughs> <laughs> and Tanya, how about you? Pretty much the same. Uh, you know, it's definitely been a lot slower. Um, I'm always looking at my square all day long to see what kind of sales come in. Uh, we had our annual walkabout uh, last Saturday, and it was just phenomenal. I think it was the same day as their event. And we had a really, really good turnout, record turnout. So that's exciting. So I think, you know, it's kind of up and down. It's a little bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. Well, Teresa, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, we know are huge for larger retailers. But are those days as important for our region's smaller businesses? Well, it's interesting because the bigger retails, they, you know, of course, mark up their merchandise and they can show big sales half off, 70% off. But as a small business, we don't mark our products up like that. So we always have the best price. Um, so we can't, you know, we can't advertise 70% off or half off because uh, we just don't work our our numbers like that. So the small business 
Saturday is more important for us because it reminds people to come and support local and, and small businesses. So we have a lot of customers that we've known for years and they bring their friends and being here in La Mesa Village, and I'm sure South Park is the same, where we have a lot of customers that have out of town guests. So they want to bring them down to the village to eat and shop. So it's always a lot of fun for Small Business Saturday. Yeah. And Small Business Saturday was right after everyone ate their turkey uh, over the holiday. Um, how were sales for you all? Well, I mean, we did we did well on Friday and Saturday and Sunday the whole weekend. Um, compared to last year, we were down a little bit. Um, I've been kind of talking to some of the other retailers out there in, you know, in South Park and other retailers that I know. And for me, I'm always looking at my numbers and, you know, what is my margin and, you know, are we up? So the last two years, uh, 21 and 22, I feel like almost were an anomaly because of COVID. And, you know, when things opened up, it was like a floodgate. So we're doing well. However, I'm down from last year. So it's kind of a weird, it's really hard because you look at last year and it was just people literally were like, you know, desperate to shop. And this year it's a little more, you know, people are holding back. They're a little more price conscious. I think, you know, it, it definitely we're seeing a slowdown from of, of definitely from last year. Mm. Teresa, what about you? Have you seen a difference in customer behavior this year? I mean, uh, maybe due to inflation or other factors, as Tanya just mentioned? Well, we're definitely running about 30% lower than last year. And you can't really compare to last year. You have to go back to 2019. Um, and then we're still a little bit slower than that. I think people are really being cautious and they want to be more creative with their gift giving. We're trying to put together 5 to $20 gifts so that people can buy more gifts with their money. We don't like to see anybody panicking. You know, we think if gifting should be fun, not not a big pressure. So we're trying to, you know, give customer service and a relaxing atmosphere instead of the hustle and bustle of the mall. Mm. And this is for you both as small business owners. Um, what are you doing to get these holiday shoppers in the door? Um, events and uh, special guest vendors, trunk shows. We just had our Oktoberfest and our holiday in the village we are doing more emails and social media, and we have our farmers market here, and it's right, you know, outside of my both of my shops uh, every Friday, between three and seven. So that helps a lot because people are here; they come out for something to do, and they end up shopping in the shops. So we just keep giving good customer service. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was just gonna chime in there. I think for us, it really is about customer service. And we know a lot of our customers' names. We know what they like. We really connect with the customer. I mean, I think you're seeing all these, you know, news reports about how Target and Walmart and all the big box retailers are, you know, getting hit by so much theft and they're having to lock all their product up. And when you're going into a small boutique, you're most likely dealing maybe with the owner or at least someone who is very invested because they like working there and they've chosen to work in a you know small retailer. It really makes a difference. I mean, I have an amazing team and they really care about the customer. And I think people see that. And it's also an experience. You know, when you go into a shop like ours, um, you have an experience and that experience is 
you know, all your five senses are being activated, whether it's, you know, you're, you get to smell a, a nice candle and you're engaging in the fun music and you really get to connect with people. And you don't get that in the mall. You don't get to connect as much as you do in a small retailer. You really have an experience. And we get to hug people all day. Yeah, we do too. And we yeah. have dog treats. I think that we have so many dogs in South Park and people come in with their dogs and the dog gets a treat. And every you know, day we have candy canes <laughs> for the kids. And, you know, it's just, it really makes, we're definitely a community. And I think people are looking for that. They want a community connection. You know, we all live on our phones and, you know, we're, we're so kind of disconnected in a lot of ways in our lives that going into a small boutique or small retailer, you get a much different vibe than you go into a big box retailer. That was business owners Tanya McAneer and Teresa Favro speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heidman. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for the day's top stories. Plus, we'll have details on some arts events happening over the weekend. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Thursday. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I.